Iowa everywhere. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is Iowa Everywhere. And now, it's time for Two Guys Named Chris. Powered by Fairway Meat and Grocery. This is Iowa Everywhere. For the fans. All right, what's going on? Thursday, September 15th. I have good news for you, Chris Hassel. You've been in a bit of a funk. Things haven't been great for you lately. You're down what's in the that? dumps. What's the good news? I have a, I've heard from a source that you're going to be getting a box of meat from Fairway in the mail. A meat box? A big, giant box of meat. Oh, hell yes. Delivered straight to your front door. Oh, my God. That's going to be amazing. I hope there's some handballs in there. I really do. Let me see what I can do. I know (laughs) I'm I'm kidding, Chris. I don't want handballs. Anything else from Fairway, send it on down, baby. Looking uh, looking forward to that. The giant box of assorted meats showing up. I'll be going up to Ames tomorrow. I usually take the camper up on Fridays and stay there when they're not night games. So that way I don't have to fight traffic and stuff on Saturday. I like to just be there. And it's mm-hmm. fun, like Friday night. And I always go to the Fairway Meat Market and just annihilate their meats. I just, just uh, Last time I, I bought a bunch of, like, um, it was, like, pre-done. It was um, like a seafood boil type thing. It was phenomenal. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Chris, just good did stuff. you hear that the, the grocery store in town is going to be a fairway store? Yeah, yeah, they're turning uh, the town the the store here in Bondurant into a fairway. Good pull there. Really? Bang, bang, yeah. Jeez. Yeah, blowing up. Blowing you guys are up. living the high life out there. I'm, I'm still heading to Publix. Well, the wife is anyway. And uh, I, uh, it's not fairway. Still not fairway. Spoiler alert. I stopped into a Piggly Wiggly. Oh, when those I was are in, terrible. Yeah. Ugh. North Carolina there. God. It's a pretty bad, bad, pretty bad grocery situation down East there. East Coast sucks for grocery stores, man. Shout sucks. out to Fairway, the uh, presenting sponsor of two guys named Chris here on Iowa Everywhere. Hassel, where are you at this weekend? I like playing this game. Where are we at? Where, I am in Birmingham. You? Okay. UAB? So I'm going to be... I'm going to be, yeah, yeah, I'm going to be in the state of Alabama when uh, Auburn hosts Penn State, but I won't be at that game. I'll be uh, UAB Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern, interesting. Yeah, Clay Helton coming off that win against Nebraska. I want you to guess the point spread in that game. Georgia Southern at UAB. I mean, I don't know anything about UAB. Can I tell you? Yeah. UAB beat some slap dick. 
to, to start the season. Uh, and then they went to Liberty and lost. Georgia Southern, 2-0, and coming off the victory over Nebraska. What's the point spread? Georgia Southern favored by 9.5. UAB favored by 12. <laughs> it's, I'm telling you, it's the weirdest spread of the week. Weirdest spread of the week. So, here's a little thing you don't know. The Georgia Southern quarterback I have an, I'm an acquaintance of. Van Treese. Really? Yeah. So his so? his uncle is a guy who is like the biggest Cyclone fanatic like fan that we have. And I've gotten to be really close friends with him over the years. Mm-hmm. And he always helps us now with our events. He hosts our game watches. And so like when we do events with the players, like when we were over in Omaha, he drove like the football players from Des Moines over to Omaha for us and stuff. He's a really close friend okay. of mine. Yeah, and his his nephew is Kyle Van Treese. So the last few years, like I follow Buffalo. Like Buffalo was yeah. my, my like team I would watch. So now Georgia Southern's my team. We were having a Georgia Southern watch party in North Carolina last weekend for two reasons. One, to support him because my buddy Steve was there and he's texting me pictures and and then we all we also hate Nebraska. You know, so of course, was a, I was at a bar in Charlotte watching nice. that game. Charlotte's um, a good city. Raleigh is a dump. Have you ever I've been, never to, been Raleigh? to Raleigh? No, oh. never been to Raleigh. You're is not that missing where you, out. you weren't. You weren't in Raleigh though. Is that where you flew no. in and out of? Yeah, we flew in and out of there. Just a horrible, horrible town. Awful. But hmm. um, yeah, no, it's a it could, okay. So that'll be that'll be really interesting. You have an interesting um, game. It, it is. It's, it's it's odd. Well, I, I haven't talked to the coaches yet, but uh, we're doing that on uh, later on today, and then uh, tomorrow we'll meet in person with Clay Hilton and the Georgia Southern staff down in Birmingham. So uh, I think we've reached our quota on Georgia Southern talk for the for the show. I think you're right. I think the uh, listeners hey, probably want to transition he, a little bit. You, you and Bloom had a great show. Thanks to Bloom for filling in. Yeah, that was. Um, it's nice to, that you let high schoolers do the show, Chris. <sighs> Man, I saw that. Um, I think it was his wife posted yeah. the picture of you and him when you did the announcer competition <laughs> for uh, MediaCom. Like yeah, back in two thousand five. Seventeen years ago. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, he. It's funny because you. You look like a, like a meathead. Yeah. Like you look like you're on steroids. I was probably 225 then. Man. And then, and Brent looks like he's 10. Yeah. It's he, pretty funny. Yeah. He, he could fit in my pocket. Oh, there it is. Good, good pull right there for uh, Maddie Van Winkle on the, on the feed. All right. Can we start with, is it okay to start with Iowa State? I feel like Iowa statewide has yeah. gotten so much more conversation and that and that's fine it's the hot topic quarterback it's, it's the bigger topic for sure it's the it. national topic it. but yes let's start with iowa state yeah i think it's an interesting game here uh with ohio listen it's a classic trap game if you're going by vegas and they they proved it over the weekend when the line comes out at like 23 something like that it steamed down to 18 really fast all the sharp money just hammered onto ohio Early on in that one. This is a good challenge for Iowa State. Um, I think they'll win the game. I'm not worried about them losing. Coming off that emotional high, beating Iowa, hyper-emotional football game. Everybody's talking about it. You know the fans are going to be cocky going into this one. I'll say this, Chris. This is the best offense Iowa State has seen all year. And it's really not close, this Ohio team. No question. They put up 41 on FAU. I mean, that's a pretty good FAU team. That's an FAU team that has a chance to compete in Conference USA. Willie Taggart's the head coach. I've I've seen them. I had them uh, week zero. 
this season and they blew out Charlotte. Charlotte's not any good, but they they could win eight or nine games this year and they went ahead and, and beat FAU at home to begin the season and then, you know, got got slapped around by by Penn State, which is what good teams should do to Ohio, which is what power five, good Power 5 teams should do. And that's what we're hoping Iowa State can do this week. But uh, it's not SEMO. It's not going to be, it's not gonna be no. that easy. But um, hopefully Iowa State, now week three, can you know, get its footing a little bit more. And now that they're out of that, you know, past that Iowa defense, <laughs> this is not the Iowa defense. No, this is not the Iowa defense. No, I actually, my, I think Iowa State will score points. Mm-hmm. I think they'll get some big plays, break some plays. I do like, and I, I think you'll agree with me here. I really don't feel like I learned a lot about Iowa State's defense in Week Two. I just you, I, you, they had you a didn't great, learn anything. Yeah, they had a good game plan. They executed. They did a lot of things well. Not taking it away from them, Iowa is virtually they're a zero offensively Mm -hmm. and I had questions coming out of week one about Iowa State's defense and again they performed well I won't I'm not going to crush them for anything in week two they did exactly what they needed to do but I I still have question marks about the linebackers there's some things that I'd like to see I think Ohio will be a much better challenge than they've seen in the first two weeks and so to me I mean I'm believe it or not and this sounds weird as an Iowa State fan during the Campbell era but I'm more confident in the Iowa State offense right now than I am the defense I think this is a good challenge this week when you look ahead to next week with a really good Baylor team was picked to win the Big 12 coming in this is not to me a sleeper type of game for Iowa State Iowa State has not proven that it can sleepwalk and beat anybody who's worth a damn and as you pointed out Ohio um, struggled last week against Penn State as you would expect this is a game for Iowa State to be able to stake its claim that it's a good team and good teams Mm -hmm. Like you said, we'll we'll blow that we'll blow an Ohio out. Iowa State just doesn't do that very often. You don't see that very often with Iowa State football. So again, I think a big opportunity this week for the Cyclones. Yeah, I think I almost feel like it's a perfect game. You know, you come off the Iowa game, and you know Iowa. You know, it, say what you want, but they you know they they hit you, and and that was a really physical game. Mm-hmm. Take a little bit of a step back. Before you go into conference play, get a a quote unquote mid major group of five team. This isn't a horrible, horrible, horrible group of five team. This is kind of middle of the road group of five, middle of the road MAC team, and you're a you're a three score favorite, right? You can put up yeah. some points against this team. Maybe find out a little bit more about the defense, and then set yourself get right for what really matters in the Big 12 and, and because they're starting with a bang with Baylor coming to town such a huge way to start but you, like you said it's a trap game you can't look ahead to that and I don't think they will I think there might have been a chance of that last season with all the the hype surrounding this team with the ranking and all that the, Iowa State's still hardly receiving any votes in the top 25 sure they're getting patted on the back for beating Iowa finally but this is not a team that nationally is getting a lot of play. In fact, no. I think they might be motivated because of all, all the talk after that game was about, locally, nationally, was about that other team and how bad they are offensively. So I think Iowa State still has a lot to prove. That's why I think this is a, a perfect spot for them this week. Okay, so I, I thought this was interesting. One of my favorite things to do 
is I like to watch the press conference of the opposing team who Iowa State's playing. Mm-hmm. It's a geeky thing that I do. Um, Tim Albin, he's the guy who replaced Frank Solich there. So they were outgunned last week by 309 yards. Penn State outgained them by 309 yards. And and again, like I've done this long enough, I know how coaches like to talk up the competition and stuff, right? Like if you were listening to Matt Campbell last week, Spencer Petrus was Joe Namath. Right, like he, really good quarterback, you know, like, right, mm-hmm. like th- this is what they do. But listen to, let's see what Ohio head coach Tim Albin said about Iowa State in comparison to Penn State. But here's the thing I'll share with you. Um, they return um, three guys on defense. If you just look at returning starters, all right? But they've got a veteran football club, all right? You watch them on defense. They are they are flying around. Um, they're, um, they're they're better than Penn State on defense. That's a fact. O line, they're better than Penn State. I mean, am I going to get uh, hate mail from? I'm not dishing Penn State. I'm just telling you the facts. Um, so, I think offensively they return. They only return three on 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 offense, and they are solid. Yeah, I mean, he and he goes on. I don't want to go too much, but claiming that Iowa State is better than Penn State, and that's a Penn State team that just outgained them by 300-plus yards and beat them by 40 points, which I, I just thought that was interesting. Are you buying what he said? I don't know. Like I I would love to. I haven't looked it up, the power ratings of Iowa State and Penn State and Vegas to see where it would be. I I, I think that any team with Sean, what, Clifford, Crawford, mm-hmm. Clifford, that I'm not a fan. Like I'm, I'm, I'm just, just not a fan of that guy, but – Penn State would definitely be favored in that game. But I, I thought it was interesting. It's a guy who's clearly scouted Iowa State. Mm-hmm. He um, just played Penn State. And then you were kind of sending me your thoughts of things that you wanted to get into today. And I, I kind of haven't let myself go there yet because I, I'm so close to Iowa State where I'm kind of like you with Iowa where I'll just, I pick them apart even when they're winning. That's just how my brain works. Then you sent me the topic, do we think Iowa State is potentially underrated? And I, I kind of just meshed the two together, and it's like, man, this I mean, that's what this coach is at least saying. Um, what do you think about that? Do you think well, they're better than Penn State right now, what we've seen? Are they better than Penn State? I don't know. Penn State is it just got into the rankings, and Penn State has a really good win at Purdue as well. Uh, so like Iowa yeah. State, they've got a good Purdue, – Purdue might win the Big Ten West, and Purdue might be the best team in the Big Ten West this season with that offense – and uh, Charlie Jones, the, the way he's performing. They, they went in and, and beat Purdue in a raucous atmosphere mm-hmm. to start the season. But what, what, what my point with Iowa State that I wanted to make is, how much different would you feel, I guess, and would the, would the nation feel if Iowa State started this season where they started last season? If they were in the top 10 to start this season, they go, they go whip Simo, they go into Iowa against one of the best defenses in the country, and they beat Iowa. Iowa State is a, you know, a top 10 team knocking on the door of the top five, and I think the, the narrative is completely different about this team. Right now, I feel like, still, what where they get four votes in the AP poll? They're yeah. nowhere near the top 25. They, they, won't, they won't get into the top 25 even with a win this week. They'll probably have to beat Baylor to do that. I, I just feel like this team, and, and I thought so going into the season, was every bit as good as last year's team. And the quarterback 
has a higher ceiling and can do more things for you. Hutchinson has become much more of a star. They still have a really good running back. And losing Brees Hall is tough. But they running backs are running Brock, backs. Brock has been better than I thought he would be. Yeah, he, he's been great. Yeah. And so, so I think that this Iowa State team has a chance to, to do what many thought last year's team could do. It's just the difference is the starting points and the expectations going into the season. And I would also say that the offensive line up to now – is considerably better than what they've seen the last couple. Now, the 2020 line was really good, but they had a ton of injuries last year. This offensive line had its way with Iowa there for a good chunk of that game. Now, they didn't execute, right? And then they had the turnovers and the blocks and all that stuff. But I I was shocked, Chris, at how well that offensive line performed, especially when I went back and watched the game for a second and third times. Um to me, it's just such a nice base for that offense that it really hasn't had. In the past, it's been – if you think back to the David Montgomery years and, and a lot of the Brees time, it was what can the running back do with not a lot, right? Like it, how, how many extra yards can you get? That's why Brock was a pretty good quarterback when he started. They needed a guy who could improvise the way that he did. Um, and I, I just – I don't think they're going to have that struggle this year. And they're doing this without their starting right tackle in Jake Rimsburg. They'll be considerably better – when he comes back. So listen, I'm, I'm just not to the point where with this team, I just, and, and a lot of it has to do with Iowa, right? Like I good win. I'm not taking anything away from Iowa state that I learned nothing last week. It, I, I could have schemed against Iowa's offense. Hell we did. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. We know, Right. So like, I want to <laughs> see this in the big 12. I think that this defense is going to be better off against the Iowa's, the Kansas state's, than it will be this year against the Oklahomas, which in the mm-hmm. past has been kind of different. Iowa State struggled against those type of teams. Um, I think it's just built a little bit differently as far as there's just more girth, right? It's less speed, more. However, um, I think we'll learn a lot. This will be a really good test. I think this will be great for John Haycock to to get some real film. SEMO didn't count. Iowa didn't count. This is a big game for Iowa State's defense. I still think Iowa State wins. If I had to play this game, and this might show up in my locks of the week later on, I, I mean, I would play the over. The, the line is at 49. I think Iowa State's going to score like Penn State did. That's surprising, it, 49. So they're thinking that Iowa State isn't going to – that Ohio really isn't going to score much at all. Yeah, they're thinking like 35 to 10, that type of a game. I mean, they're okay. – yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I think, I, I, look, they've given up 38-plus in each of their first two games. FAU doesn't have, like, a super dynamic offense, and FAU put up 38 at Ohio. So, yeah, I, I think Iowa State has every opportunity to get into the 40s, and that thing could could sail over. Um, I, I don't I, I don't know what to think about the line when that thing goes screaming down. What would you say? It opened up at 22? Yeah. And now yeah. it's down to 18. That's it's, a big move. It's a classic sharp play. We had a, we were some talk in our message board about that at Cyclone Fanatic, and I, I actually said on post game with Bloom on Saturday, like this will be one where because it's just a sandwich, emotional win, come back mm-hmm. home, huge game against Baylor. That's what Vegas is playing much more so than than anything else, and I'm sure they're factoring into that Ohio is battle-tested, right? Like right. This is, there's nothing shocking about Iowa State to Ohio after you played in Happy Valley a week mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. That, that would be my analysis of why the lines... Do. If this thing goes below 17, I would consider betting Iowa State. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I don't know if I would. I, I think the over is the the best play in that game. Let's let's move on to Iowa, where I I just feel like you'd have to be really dumb to bet on Iowa games right now, unless you're just playing the under. Because <laughs> it's like I get it. Like I was reading a thing last night, and this guy's like hammering Iowa because he's like, oh well, this is a different type of bad. Nevada gave up. 616 yards and 55 points to Incarnate Word. Well, I would gather, I would guess Incarnate Word's offense is much more difficult to defend than Iowa's. Way more. <laughs> Incarnate Word, actually, you know, people laugh because of the name and because, yeah. you know, they haven't been around major football for a while. Uh, they have a really good offensive system, and they've had uh, quarterbacks and offensive coordinators that have moved on to the FBS level and they put up points so yes I mean, I'm not saying Nevada's defense is good they gave up 55 but incarnate word just just as a point of reference here Southern Illinois is a top 10 FCS team incarnate word scored 64 points against them in the opening week so you know it's not like incarnate word is like uh Hawaii or uh, you know a really really bad FBS team they score usually anywhere from 40 to 55 points each game win or lose uh, that that's a really good offense and so Nevada's probably breathing a huge sigh of relief right now after giving up all that yardage to a good offense now they get to face the worst offense in the country right now and historically speaking at this point one of the worst offenses we've ever seen in college football in the modern times. Can I, I want to make one quick analysis on Iowa. I wanted to jump in with you. I was listening on a, on a plane. I'm sure you've had these experiences before. You just wanted oh. to get in the conversation. Um, listen, I'm not debating. I'm not like standing on a pedestal here defending Spencer Petrus's play. It was, it's, it's historically bad. I agree with you. I, I can't get this out of my mind, though. And I don't think I don't really know if it's been brought up too much. We've talked about the offensive line with Iowa, and it's not what it was ten years ago, right? It's greatly deteriorated. You had probably the best center in college football last year in a very underwhelming line in general. You lose mm-hmm. Linderbaum. Sure, there's some decent individual pieces on Iowa's offensive line, but the the result as a whole has not been stellar for a while. Have you thought about I mean, is it time to start questioning the post-Chris Doyle strength and conditioning and development with Iowa? Because that was always their thing, right? Like, Mm -hmm. we're going to bring a guy in, and by year three, I mean, we're going to turn him into an NFL lineman. And, again, while you're seeing some individuals go, the the product as a whole hasn't been there. And if you're going to have bad quarterback play um, with bad receivers and – at least in the past, it was a deal where Iowa could just basically put anybody at running back and go behind this offensive line and the tight ends. And they can't do that anymore. So that's out of your playbook as well. And your quarterback can't complete a five and out because he's sailing it over their head every time. I just, I was wanting to take it a different angle today. Like, is that something to start questioning with Ference? Even, um, I mean, I, I know we got to talk schematics and we got to talk why the hell is Spencer Petrus still playing. We'll get into that. I was just thinking about that, though. Nobody has brought that up that I've heard. The post-Chris Doyle lines have just not been as good. Uh, there's no question about that. And I think that uh, that is probably part of it. I don't know how, 
I don't know how big of a part of it it is, but Chris Doyle was clearly really good at at what he was doing as far as getting his guys ready to get in the trenches and push people around. There was no doubt that that guy could do it, okay, and do it better than anybody because that's why Kirk Ferentz was paying a million dollars a year. That's why uh, Urban Meyer wanted to bring him to, to Jacksonville despite what happened. But the thing is, I mean, like, there's nothing really you can question. Like, there wasn't like a questionable firing or um, this. This was something they had to do. You know, Doyle brought it on himself. He had to go. And it's hurting the Iowa football program right now. I, I think I don't think there's any doubt about that. And, and I think you you're right. Uh, I I just don't know. Like, what do you say? Like, do you say okay, it's it's time to go in a different direction strength wise? Like, they need to get somebody else in there. It, yeah, Because yeah, it's not like you can bring Chris Doyle back. I think everything we've been talking about again, and I, I'm kind of taking a step back here. And looking at this more of a macro thing than a game to mm-hmm. game. I think you're like, you're in this mode, and I get it. Like, how do we save the season? And I, I get that, and we'll get to that. I think anything that they could have done for this offense was botched in the off season, and it's it's borderline. And I, and I love the man too. And you, and you talked about Kirk Ferentz and how good of a human he is, and all, we know all that. Okay, I hope all mm-hmm. of our audience understands that. It's borderline arrogant watching his press conference. Mm-hmm. I thought from Tuesday, like there, there was a level of, of arrogance there. I want to play a clip here of it was an exchange between Chad Lystico from the Des Moines Register and Kirk Ferentz, where Chad is uh, basically in Kirk went, went through, give some context before this. Kirk had just gone through Petrus's body of work about how he won 10 games in a row the season before and how he kind of staked his claim on that job. And Chad challenged it. Well, let's take a look at this and listen to it. Taking away the Northwestern game, which obviously Spencer couldn't go in. I mean, your point totals in his last six starts were seven, seven, three, seventeen, seven, and seven. How is that? How does that body of work? Well, give it to me again. Take away which Northwestern, which he didn't. Right. Yeah. He played like a couple seasons. Yeah. Seven, seven, three, seventeen, seven, seven. Those are your point totals. What was the bowling score? 2017. So 17. That was the 17. That had three picks. So I'm just saying, what you say the body of work is there, but that's the body of work. Mm-hmm. One TD, nine interceptions, the last 10 games, or whatever it is. And then there's Alex, you know, 27 against Minnesota, 33 against Illinois. Like, how does that? That's just that's our assessment. Yeah, that's our assessment. And- those are, those are good points, but we're looking at the whole thing, and that's that's our assessment right now. <laughs> I mean, he couldn't answer it. No, it, 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 <laughs> Chad, no answer. Chad owned him there. I mean, and, and not in any kind of uh, condescending way. I think Chad oh. did a fantastic job just laying it out and seeing what Kirk Fer- Kirk Ferentz was clearly uncomfortable there. Like you saw him, he was he was doing this. Yeah. He was taking a drink of water while he's thinking about what he wants to say, and he had no comeback for that. Other than that's our assessment. Now he says "are" there. Did you notice that he says that's our assessment? Yet when they asked him if this was unanimous among the coaches, he wouldn't answer. He would not answer that. Yeah. Um, I 
at this point, it's that it's got to be really hard for these uh, these reporters to go in week in week out and it's not fun. Ask these questions and then face Spencer Petrus as well, and and have to ask Spencer Petrus similar questions. And uh, I was, I, I everything you said about Kirk Ferentz, we've all said the same things about Spencer Spencer Petrus. Great kid, all that, all those disclaimers, you know. I, I was a little bit um, surprised to hear a couple things that Spencer Petrus said this week when asked in uh, media availability. Matt, do you have do you have those clips ready yeah, to roll? So the first one we can play was the one from John Sears from earlier this week. Is that okay? Okay, yes. This is the one where he uh, Spencer Petrus um, says that it's business as usual this week. Have they told you that you're the starter this week? Uh, I have no idea. Yeah, I, yeah, I assume so. Um, it's business as usual in our building. Um, in regards to everything, we're business as usual, uh, and, and looking forward to, to beating Nevada. Okay. What's the last thing an Iowa fan wants to hear right now? <laughs> business as usual. Yes. No change. Historically bad offense. That is the absolute last thing you want to hear. I, I want to hear anything. I want to hear. We're, we're, we are not we're leaving grinding. one stone unturned. Yeah. We are going to business as usual. <laughs> That's terrifying. What? And this isn't Kirk Ferentz. I know it's it's a it's a student athlete. But Spencer Petrus. I mean, he's he he's given some great responses over the years he's a very smart guy really nice guy too yeah uh and he was almost it, it almost looked like he was surprised that he was asked if he was the starter he's well yeah yeah as far as i know yeah yeah you had to know that was the first thing that was going to be asked and then um i think it was um it was a reporter from whbf in the quad cities who uh who kind of uh, expanded with Petrus a little bit more. Matt, you have that clip as well. I don't give a shit. Um, pardon me, but like my focus is on is on my own my own game, the game of football. Um, it, it becomes really easy when when you kind of have a feeling what's what's going on out there. Okay, so he was asked. Uh, I should have set that up a little bit better. He was asked if he's hearing or seeing what's being said about him on social media, Matt, and he says, "I you know I don't give a shit." Like, could, I don't give a shit. Uh, uh, that's, that's not him, really. I, 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 I don't know. I, he's clearly stressed out. He's he is. And, and, yeah. and, and I, I feel bad for him. I don't buy it one bit. I mean, that, he's, that he is allowing himself to, to go there, uh, it, it's clearly bothering him. And at, at what point is this irresponsible? I mean, of of Kirk Ferentz to keep trotting him out there and keep dragging him to all these media availabilities. I mean, maybe Spencer Petrus wants to do all this stuff, but I don't. I didn't think it was a great look this week. The journalist to me was impressed that he showed up. First of all, he's always going to show up. Yeah. But that's the kind of not, guy he is. He's yeah, a stand up guy. Are, not all of them are like that. Right. No, like, no, no. But that's that's why we praise Spencer Petra so much. Yep. Because he no matter how bad he plays, he always shows up and answers the questions. But I, I don't know. This week, I was a little bit surprised to hear 
he's the clearly, things he said and some of the things that how, how he responded to some of those questions. He's clearly feeling it. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't. I, I'm with you. I don't think Kirk is is helping the situation at all by the way he's answering these things so vaguely. Um, again, he didn't have an answer to Chad's. Um, I they're in a tough spot here because let, let, I'm just throwing out hypotheticals. Okay, they they if I'm going off of what they say and what they're telling us, they feel like Spencer Petrus is. I mean, clearly without question the best man for this job, considering they haven't benched him yet. What are we at now? Ten games, one touchdown, ten interceptions. You've had the running tally. I, I think it's. I think it's the last eight games he's played in. Okay. He's thrown one touchdown and nine interceptions, and and then count in all the the fumbles he's lost. I don't know, probably three or four, including one last game. So going off of what they're telling us, like he's the guy, and we we don't know any of this stuff. The practice. Padilla maybe has some problems that we don't know about. I don't know. He's the guy. They're in a tough spot here against this Nevada defense because if you would – they clearly want Spencer Petras to be the quarterback. If you would put Padilla in and – but think about just from an ego standpoint only because I told you earlier, I think that there's a hint of arrogance coming off in this Ferentz stuff now. I think we've gone from stubborn to a hint of arrogance. It's defiance. It is. Yeah. Yeah. If you put in Padilla now – and he goes out there against a team that just gave up 55 points to an FCS team, and Padilla throws four touchdown passes, then it makes you look bad. Yeah. It, it, it confirms bad offseason decisions, promoting Brian Ferentz, all the, right? Especially when we were told, oh, we're going to throw some wrinkles in the offense, and we're bringing this, this quarterback coach in, this guy from Wisconsin, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to KXNO the other day, Trent, Trent Condon. It was great. It was a good line. He goes, keep that guy the hell away from our quarterbacks, is what TC said. Um, right? Like, we heard all this stuff. Like, it, But if you keep Petrus in, and, and this, we're assuming here that this Nevada defense is just horrible, which statistically they're awful. Um, if Petrus goes out and plays well, then great. You're in, if Petrus doesn't, like the spot that they are in, like from, sheerly from an ego standpoint, based off of what Nevada has done so far this year, makes this a very intriguing game that I will be very interested to watch and see how this plays out on Saturday night. What's worse at this point, that Kirk Ferentz refuses to try somebody else at quarterback or that he thinks that that's the best option he has? Uh, the second, the latter is worse. That's worse. I mean, the, the, the fact that they couldn't. I mean, the fact that they haven't developed somebody else that they think could be better than what Spencer Petrus yeah, is doing right now. Because I always tell people this when Iowa State is sucked. Like, listen, I understand why fans get mad. Like the the coaches are trying to win. They're always going to put the guys out there who they think will win. But okay, my, you say my, that. You say here's that. My, yeah. Here's my problem. I don't know if that's the case here. Yeah, right. That, that, I don't know. I was if that, just yeah. And that's the problem. That's the if problem. You're, if, if you're trying to win games later on, look, they're going to win this game. If you're trying to win games later on in the season, you can't be thinking about, oh my God, if we put Padilla in this game or Labus in this game, he's going to look so good, it's going to make me look bad. You need to be thinking about, wow, if we put them in this game, they get they they get to feel good about themselves. They get to go out there and show what they can do against a bad team, get some confidence, and then, man, we can roll with them once Big Ten starts. And boy, they're going to be a real uh, a lot better option than Spencer Petras the way he's playing right now. 
you, 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 you just, see what I'm saying? I mean, I just I, don't believe Ferentz. Like, and I, I'm sorry. Like, I, I think that he's lying, like, to Lystico, or that's our assessment. Any idiot. You think Ferentz is lying about what? I, don't, I think that Ferentz knows that he should make a change. I think he's being, like you said, defiant at this point to a, to a fault. Is it loyalty? I don't know why. I don't know. I, I don't. He knows too much about football. Mm hmm. Like he's not an idiot. He Hayden Fry at the end of the Fry era. This was one of the laughing stocks of college football. I was at the Michigan State game when John Butcher led him to break the Big Ten losing streak. I remember all those years. I was there. Like this guy's not an idiot. There's no way. Like the perfect time to pull Petrus would have been at halftime of that Iowa State game. Absolute perfect. Iowa State's defense. I disagree. I disagree. Okay, it, it would have been in the first half of the South Dakota State game. <laughs> Probably a good point. My point being with Haycock and Iowa State's defense gets better as a game goes on. Haycock's as good of an in-game defensive coordinator as there is in college football. To throw that curveball at that defense would have been a brilliant move, a chess move by Kirk mm-hmm. Ferentz. Would it have worked? I don't know because I don't think Alex Padilla is going to go in there and light this thing up and Iowa's offense is going to be great all of a sudden. I think their line's below average. I don't think they have a great running back. I don't like any of their receivers. And Laporta is a good tight end, but he's not like the guys they've had in the past. But but I think I, I, that Padilla's tools could change things up a little bit, maybe give him a spark, and you're looking at seven wins as opposed to five. The offensive line issues, I think, are a product of – Spencer Petrus, one, his his inability to complete passes, two, uh, the offense and the play calling not having any confidence in him to throw the ball downfield. Because, like, how, how can you expect that offensive line to run block when Good the point. box is stacked Good and point. they know the only way you're going to be able to move the ball downfield is if you run it against us? Because you're sure as hell not passing it against us. Good point. You, so... Like how how could you possibly expect this offensive line to look good if you can't and refuse to even show that you'll even try to throw the ball down the field? Good point with, with Spencer Petrus. Um, it's just my assessment. I can't argue that. <laughs> you nailed it. Like, hey, it, it's a very good point. I just did. I, I last night I was laying in bed thinking about the show, and I and I went back. I looked at every Iowa drive so far this season. I ran some numbers. So the only touchdown drive they had was on a 16-yard field. I know that. Yes. Okay. 29 total drives. Okay. 29 drives have led to 10 total points. A touchdown drive, two plays, 16 yards, is their longest scoring drive of the season. The other scoring drive, the field goal, four plays, five yards. They're averaging 0.34 points per possession. 0.34. 0.34. That's so they have they awful. have 10 points and five turnovers, not counting one turnover on downs. They have half as many turnovers as they have points this season in 29 drives. Uh, like I said on Monday, we're not asking for much. Okay, we're just not be, asking for for just be us. bad. Just be yes. bad. You yes. don't even have to be. Don't average. even have to be average. Like I was asking for 24 points per game. Right now, that would be tied for 98th in the country out of 131 teams. Be bad. Be you bad. guys would go nine and three if you did that. Yeah, be bad. Don't be historically bad. Just be bad. What, and um, this team will win nine games. What would make you? What would give you hope 
for the rest of the season this this week against a, a really bad Nevada team. What would give you I, hope? I think, well, one thing that would give me hope is if a quarterback change is made. I don't think that's going to happen. I've I've given up. I've 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 been wrong so many times already this season from being 99% sure they would make a change in the middle of the South Dakota State game to I, I was probably midway through that Iowa State game I was close to 80% sure that they would make a change. You know, close to halftime. Didn't happen. And then I was about 60% sure that they would make a change this week in the middle of the week and start either Padilla or Labus in this game. I think short of a quarterback change, I'd nothing. I, I maybe if Petrus goes out there, throws the ball down the field, and they they put up six touchdowns on Nevada, and they show they can at least do it against a really bad team. So okay, maybe that'll give him some. Maybe that'll give him some confidence to get out of his own head and his funk. But don't you think even if they do that against Nevada, that Things are going to change once yeah, they start facing Big Ten teams. The one good thing you have going for you is the West is not looking great. But I, you have a bunch of... But you still have o- to play Ohio o- State, Michigan. Yeah, no doubt. no doubt. I'm saying there's some games on there where I was, you know... it. They're what do you think? A, I mean, what, what what's going to happen against Purdue? Purdue's going to kill them again. No, I know. And I, I actually think... I think the bottom of the Big Ten West is actually better than it has been. Like, Illinois is not bad. Right. I heard you and Bloom talking about this, and I was screaming at my radio. Illinois could be a factor in that yeah, vision based on what we have seen. I know they lost to Indiana, but like they're they have a really good defense. I just I don't think any of these teams are like very good. Like I, think I honestly think, even okay. though they're zero and one, I honestly think Purdue might be the best team in this division. I think Purdue and Minnesota would be my picks right now to to win. I mean Fleck. We all hate Fleck. He's the little chihuahua that just chirps nonstop. But I think that they're, they've are they kind of been trending that way for a while. Um, but th- that would be my – like go out there. Yeah, you, point being, even if, um, even if your offense sucks, like in this Big Ten West, you're going to have some shots. Now, Iowa right now, if they, if they stay status quo, I don't think Iowa goes to a bowl game, though. I, I agree. Yeah, I don't I, think they go to a I board. think you asked me that after the first game. Yeah, I, I'm, uh, it was a week ago. You said, you know, has your has your outlook changed on the season? And I said, no, because I think they'll make a change at quarterback. And if they make a change at quarterback, I think they still have an opportunity to win eight or nine games. And I said, if they don't, this team won't become bowl eligible. Five, six wins right now is where I have them. Yeah. That could change, but that's that's where I have them right now. Because, I mean, who are you? You're, you're going to beat Nevada no matter what. You're going to get to two wins. And then you've got to win, what, four Big Ten games just to get bowl eligible. Nebraska just got better yes. by firing Frost, right? Like the, you, the thing about the Big Ten West is you can say whatever you want about the teams, Really good coaches in that division now, with Bielema. Now that Scott Frost is out of there, <laughs> with, with Bielema, <laughs> Nebraska is what they are. But Brahms a really good coach. Flex a really good coach, right? Like there's gonna there's this isn't a deal where Kirk now at this stage is just head and shoulders above the rest. I think Paul Chris is overrated. Wisconsin needs to move on from that guy like two years ago in my mind. We can get into that topic later. I think he's a total fraud. 
Yeah, go go try to find four wins right now with Spencer Petras at quarterback, and you're going to have a really tough time. I mean, okay, give them at Rutgers. That's, yeah, and you'll you'll win a game because it's Kinnick, right? Yeah, like you, okay, you'll you're going to get. I, they're not beating Michigan. Not no, they're not, not beating right Michigan now. though. No, but you know they, and I don't think they would beat Wisconsin either. But maybe they beat. Maybe they beat Northwestern. Let's give them Rutgers. Let's give them Northwestern at home. Find two more wins. Uh, Maybe Nebraska at home. Well, Nevada. I mean, no, no, but but that's I'm already giving them Nevada to get to two wins. They need four Big Ten wins to become bowl eligible. Give them Rutgers. Give them Northwestern. Give them Nebraska. Okay, and then all three of those, which could be losses. But you're gonna have to get Minnesota, Purdue. Illinois, one of those, types and that's of games. at Illinois. Yeah, at that, Purdue, I, there's no way they're winning at Purdue. There's no, they're not winning at Minnesota either. Not with Petrus. Now this, this is we're, we're saying with Petrus at quarterback, they will not, they will not go to a bowl game if they keep Spencer Petrus at quarterback, unless there's some kind of crazy breakthrough and we find out all this was some kind of mental block that Nevada somehow cures. Wolfpack, baby. <laughs> Incarnate word. Need we do need some sort of a prayer. Can we pull up the NWO Wolfpack theme song, Matt Van Winkle? You just kidding. You don't have to. <laughs> Let's get to our top games of the weekend, and then we can do a few other things if we have leftover time. Again, uh, we've got here. We had breaking news to lead off the show. Fairway is sending up a giant box of meat. To hassle meat box. In Florida. Look at him. He's withering away. He's skin and bones. Oh, come on. He's been ordering I've... too many salads. Just a salad. I, um, I do like salad. Sending you some mutton. Down you know there. what I really miss is the loose meat sandwiches in Iowa. They don't have loose meat sandwiches down there. Hell no. Nobody even knows what they are. Really? I get the made fun of at joke? work all the time. Nobody eats sloppy well, joes. People know what a sloppy joe is, but a loose meat sandwich from Iowa is not a sloppy joe. I don't like sloppy joes, but loose meat sandwiches are one of my favorite things. See, I guess I didn't know there was a difference. Are you kidding me? No, I thought they were the you same. You call thing. yourself an Iowan and you don't know the difference between a loose meat sandwich like a made right? It's the same and thing. A, a made joe? right is a sloppy joe. It's just like a brand name for it. My it's God, the same thing. No, it is not. Yes, it is. A sloppy Joe has a bunch of tomato paste in it. No, not my sloppy Joes. You come to my house, I'm going to make you. What a, you then a it's real not a sloppy, sloppy Joe. Joe. A sloppy Joe has tomato paste in it. A loose meat sandwich is just seasoned tomato ground paste. beef. Yeah, it's seasoned ground beef. A sloppy Joe is like red. You it's get the same thing. You 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 spill a loose meat sandwich on yourself. There's slop- not. There's no red on your a, shirt. A sloppy Joe is a variation of a loose meat sandwich. Yeah, with tomato paste, which makes it totally different. Top three games of the weekend. Thanks to Fairway sending Hassel the giant box of meat. Give me that meat. Look at him. Thanks, he's, Fairway. He's, he's skin and bones. Um, all right, I'll give my three games of the weekend. This is crazy. This was not planned. Somehow, Houston has appeared all three weeks for me. Yeah, they've got a great schedule, huh? Yeah, they do. So, listen, like we're talking about bad offense. Kansas. Kansas right now is the top scoring team in college football. They're averaging 55 points per game through two games. Chris, Kansas would boat race Iowa out of Kinnick Stadium right now if they played. Wouldn't you love to see Kansas at Iowa right now? 
Oh, it'd be great. It'd be a oh. fascinating theater. It'd be fascinating. So they go into West Virginia last week, win a game in overtime, which to me was a major, major game in the Big 12 because I think this league is just going to cannibalize itself all year. And now all of a sudden, everybody can't look at that Kansas game and be like, oh, there's a win. Like, Iowa State's got to go there. That's a scary game now when I when I look at Kansas. So this is another one, eight and a half. So this thing opened at like 12. All the money's on Kansas here. Really surprising that Houston would be a two-score favorite uh, I thought so too. Kansas. So, but don't you agree this is interesting, though, for the yeah. Big 12 implications and for Houston? Now, they lost at Texas Tech last week, so all that playoff talk for them is kind of out the door. But they're a good team. I think we learn a lot about uh, a Big 12 team this week. And Kansas, do they hit – what was their uh, – was their over-under win total two and a half? They, they hit the over if they win this game, I think. They, I, yeah, it depends on where you got it. I, I saw it at three, too. And so it, if they win this game, Leipold might, uh, might, might just head on over to, to Lincoln, Nebraska. He would be a phenomenal hire. He's, did you know this? He's on the he, short list. He would have been Iowa State's head coach if Matt Campbell didn't take the job. Did really? You know that? Yeah. No. He's a Whitewater guy, Wisconsin guy. Pollard and him go way back. Yeah, he was he was choice number two. Uh, I've got Oklahoma at Nebraska with Frost being out. It just usually these teams have a bounce back after their coach gets fired. That is one of my games. Yeah, that's okay. one of mine. Yeah. And on top of that, we still don't really know anything about Oklahoma, which is a top five team right now. Well, so we'll learn a little bit more about Brent Venables and that group, and and it's cool that. The, the pageantry of the old school rivalry. Like, I, I'm a sucker that buys into that. So this will be one of the games that I, I got circled this week. And I was uh, talking with Brady Quinn yesterday. He's going to be there with big noon kickoff with Urban Meyer. So that, that'll be interesting to see how Nebraska fans, uh, how they try to lure Urban Meyer to Lincoln. He could do worse. Sure. I don't think he wants to work that hard, though. Like, it's not... That's a tough job to just for a guy his age. That'd be tough, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I'm gonna go Big Ten, Pac-12 for number three, Michigan State at Washington. Mm-hmm. Couple reasons here. A, a bit of a uh, prove it type of game for Michigan State. They they were really good last year. Came out of nowhere. Mel Tucker gets the big contract. I think Washington. Washington is my sleeper to win the Pac-12 and potentially be in the conversation for a playoff. I don't wow, think that they'll playoff? go. No, listen, hear, hear me out. I don't think that they're going to run the table and be in that position, but I, I think that they have a shot here to really upset some things in the Pac-12. And if they would, if you're the Pac-12 champion, you're at least probably going to be in that conversation is what I'm saying. I don't. I wouldn't pick them to be in that. I just think that they are probably better. They fired that guy last year who was a total disaster. Mm-hmm. I think their talent was better last year than what people probably think. And if they could win this game against Michigan State on Saturday – I think it opens up a national conversation about Washington being a factor out there in the West. And if that's the case, then they could be a dark horse playoff team. Really interesting game. And then for the Big Ten East as well with Michigan State, what are you looking at here? I think if you talk to a lot of odds makers, they were all expecting a big letdown this year from the Spartans. Um, so we'll see. I, I just think there's a lot of implications coming out of this one. 
Yeah, I, I I don't know that Michigan State has earned that number eleven ranking. I don't. No, I, I, I don't, I don't think see so. it. Um, and that's why Washington is a, a three point favorite in this game. I I, I really like that game too. And uh, Washington's off to a good start this season, and that's an awesome awesome uh, environment. I, I that's one of the places I I want to go at some point to catch a college football game is is Washington. That's a awesome place. Uh, so you, that's all three of your games, right? Those you, are you mine. Got yours. Yep. All right, uh, my top three games. And there is one overlap that uh, we can just get out of the way real quick. Oklahoma at Nebraska. I, I, I'm all. It would scare the hell out of me as an Oklahoma fan oh. to to go into Nebraska this week. You know, they they just fired Scott Frost. It's going to be a hornet's nest. They are looking. They're looking to get. I mean, now now they can win a one possession game, and that's what it was last year against Oklahoma. They almost won down in Norman when everybody thought they'd get their ass kicked. I think this is a real tricky spot for the Sooners. I think I might put a little money line splash on Nebraska. Just a little I think it's sprinkle. Worth it. Just a little I, sprinkle. I think it's worth it. And Plus 330? Yeah. It, it, again, Big Noon's going to be there. That place will be that place will be rocking, and as we all know, Nebraska is a better team than they've shown in their record. They just haven't been able to win close games, but now they got old Frosty, the coach man, out of there, and maybe they've got a chance. Uh, my number two game: SMU at Maryland. Interesting. I had Maryland last week. Talia Tungavaloa scored five touchdowns, four through the air, one on the ground. This is a dynamic offense that, that Maryland has. I think they could make some noise this season and maybe pick somebody off in the Big Ten East. Mike Loxley is a great coach. The talent that they have at wide receiver, Ohio State, it might be the only other team that can match it. I mean, Ohio State, USC, Maryland. I, I think that they have a top three uh, wide receiving core in the country. And so this is going to be a track meet because SMU scores too. The total is 74 in this game. <laughs> so you want a fun Must game watch, to watch? baby. Yeah. Yes. I love SMU it. SMU at Maryland, just a ton of points. And I think two pretty evenly matched teams. And then you talk about Houston showing up every week. UTSA showing up again. The Roadrunners. It's a great we, game. Yeah, Sneaky we've been right game on right here. The Roadrunners have played two games. They've both gone to overtime. They lost one to Houston. They won one last week at Army and Texas. Okay. What happens now? Yeah. You no should doubt. have beat you should have beaten Alabama. You didn't. You jumped into the top twenty five. First team in twenty five years to lose a game as an unranked team and leap into the top twenty five. So you're getting kind of patted on the back a little bit, even though you lost. And now you've got to jump down against a quote-unquote inferior group of five in-state team in UTSA. Now, this is a borderline top 25 team. They were in the top 25 much of last season. This is, they're battle-tested twice. A lot of rat poison. Yes, sleepy Saturday coming off. You know, you're you're because you got. There's no way Texas will even be fifty percent as fired up as what they were against Alabama. And yeah. the fans, this this is this. We're going to learn a lot about Texas in this game because if they quarterback come out, problems too, point that out. Right, and and, yeah. and you know they're without Ewers, and 
uh, what's Hudson his face? Card's all beat is, up. Is banged up. Yeah, mm-hmm. Card is banged up. And UTSA has a great quarterback in Frank Harris. Again, battle-tested, two overtime games already. And what's Texas going to do? You know, how are they going to respond now in a game that they're expected to win and win somewhat handily? If they come out and they blow out UTSA, I think you can say, all right, this Texas team has a chance to win the Big 12. But this is not an easy spot coming off that Alabama loss at home once again. The fans are going to probably be sitting on their hands. It's going to be nothing like that atmosphere last week, which was second to none. Tough, tough spot for the Horns. This could be a good game. Couldn't agree more. Vegas has been all over UTSA in this one as well. The sharp better. So you're sharp football man, Chris Hassel. A couple other ones to point out before we go. Miami and Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. Uh, many are calling this the NIL Bowl. <laughs> this is the two teams that are spending the most on everybody. Uh, A&M's got to bounce, see if they can bounce back from that loss to Appalachian State last week. A uh, bigger game for Miami because they still have probably some playoff type of aspirations. A lot I of hype think. down here for for the Hurricanes. If they if they can win this game, they're going to be top ten team, and it's going to be the hype kind of like we saw a few years ago when they got off to that. I don't know what it was seven and zero start. They had the turnover chain going. They've retired the turnover chain. That's a thing of the past now. Uh, this this should be an interesting game. Uh, and if Texas A&M loses, boy, Jimbo is going to get it. He, well, they he can't was, fire him. No, but, I mean, he, he he was killed this week nationally. There's a lot of people that, that really doubt uh, what he's doing there at Texas A&M, despite the fact that he just signed the top-rated recruiting class of all time. The problem is he talks too much, right? Like, yeah, I mean, And too fast. It's just... It's just the reality. Like when you talk a lot, and it doesn't matter what if you're mouthy, if you're when you're constantly chirping at Nick Saban and stuff like that, then people want to tee off on you when they can, mm-hmm. and they've got a lot of opportunities in the last few days. Penn State at Auburn is um, interesting in the sense that I'm not right about much. I I nailed it on my KXNO show. I thought Brian Harson would be a disaster down there because of the boosters and just all that stuff that you have to deal with at Auburn mm-hmm. and a lot of these SEC schools bringing a guy from the West it was a weird fit from day one yeah this uh, might be a defining game for him because yeah that's the, my point the, like the, I, the record doesn't tell the story they're two and0 but man they they were a I think 20 something point favorite last week against San Jose State and they had to squeak that one out and they, Finley has not been good at quarterback. Um, it, it, it's going to be an awesome atmosphere. I, I've got uh, co-workers at CBS Sports HQ that have been there for games that they say this is second to none. When you get games like this, Auburn and Jordan-Hare is second to none in the country as far as atmosphere and, and a toughness level of playing there. That uh, it, It's going to be a, a great scene. I think that one's 3.30 Eastern on CBS. I think so they're doing like an orange out. I thought I oh. read. Oh, kind of to, to counter the whiteout that yeah. they got last year yeah. at Penn State. It's kind of fun. So mm-hmm. it'll be. I, I think Penn State will beat them pretty good, but we'll see. I just, I'm. Not, I, I feel like it's just too toxic down at Auburn from the the athletic director, and then you've got there's just everybody's talking. Doesn't seem like there's much focus at mm-hmm. all. We'll see. Uh, it, other than that, I think we're good. Uh, so where, where, what time is your game? Where can we watch you? 
this week? Three thirty Eastern time. It's a stadium game. So okay. on, uh, if if you have stadium on your streaming device or your, cable, I love those stadium it's, uh, games. It's great. Like that, you get this whole like different experience. I enjoy. Mm-hmm. It. I'm doing it with Sed Bonner, a former Arena League great at the quarterback position. Uh, he's a really good analyst. Uh, it, it should be an interesting. Like I said, it's the weirdest line of the week with with Georgia Southern getting 12 points after beating Nebraska and UAB coming off a loss. They were favored last week at Liberty and they lost by seven. They were favored by a touchdown. They lost by seven at Liberty. They lost, I think they lost four fumbles in that game. Man. Um, so that, yeah, that should be, should be an interesting game. Looking forward to uh, getting to Birmingham. One of my five games in Birmingham this year. I'm going to have a, do you I'm like have a Birmingham there. Like, I actually do. do. Yeah. I've never been there. I've, I've yeah, heard it's cool. I, I like Birmingham. You'd be surprised to learn there's a lot of uh, college football uh, writers, analysts that call Birmingham home. I mean, you're in the state of Alabama, so you're right there for yeah. whether to go to Tuscaloosa or to Auburn. And it, it's great restaurants there. It, it's, it's not a bad place at all. There are much, much, much worse places to be than Birmingham on a college football Saturday. I'll be heading to Ames. Uh, I'm going to get there around 11 so I can watch the Nebraska-Oklahoma game from the press mm-hmm. box and then be doing all my stuff from there. So, all right, brother. Appreciate it. We'll see you on Monday. Matty Van Winkle, thank you, as always. Yes, it's the NWO Wolfpack. <laughs> Wolfpack I'm looking forward, looking forward to that meat box from Fairway. I'll be checking the mail. All right. Thanks for watching, everybody. We appreciate it. Please tell your friends, subscribe, review, all that stuff. Hey, by the way, Chris, you're getting killed in the comments. Ross says, CW, wrong here, dude, about the uh, Sloppy Joe. Sloppy Joe is all about that sweet sauce. Totally different from a made right. And Bradley says, loose meat sandwich is not the same thing as a Sloppy Joe. Shaking my head. You are dead wrong. I disagree. Uh, well, hey, guys. Uh, be wrong. You know, you can point out all you want, but uh, they're good points, but that's just my assessment. You're an idiot. It's just my assessment. Later. Have a great Thursday, everybody. In the rain, this is poor. All you sucks, the strong. Day in, day out, the wolf pack for life. Tell me who has the guts to come in the rain tonight. Who care about the replicas? We make our own boost. Iowa everywhere.